You've had a lot of letters, you've had a lot of coverage in the press. People want to hear from you now. So John from Huddersfield has written in and said, Matt, can you give me some advice of my wife? She doesn't seem to like me anymore. What's your advice? Yeah, I suppose, John, is it something you've done in particular? It's a bit of a vague question. But as life goes... Yeah. Just do what Mac does. You have to keep romance in your life. Communicate well. What else, Mac? Lisa from Plymouth has written in Mac and said, How can I improve my diet? I can't seem to lose some weight off my hips. What do you think, Mac? Yeah, just burp heavily like that. Eat your veg, yeah, and what else? Yeah, try and walk 10,000 steps a day. Okay, Henry from Northern Ireland has written in and said, Matt, I'm so inspired by your story so far. What do you think can heal the world? Tough question, Matt, isn't it? Yeah, what he says is hiccups in general, but also... We need to form communities again, communicate in real life and uh, try and get away from tribalism and algorithms that force our own point of view. Yeah, and love will conquer all. All right, so the, get your letters in. Uh, Max here to answer all your questions every month. But so today's episode is with uh, Will Hensley, uh, a Grammy Award winning mixer. What do you think of his mixing? Yeah, you like the earlier work? It's got quite a cinematic sound to, you know. It does demonstrate that you can really change a record with its mixing, which a lot of the average listener doesn't know about mixing. Who is some of your favourite mixers? No, 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 you can't say Phil Spector anymore. But yeah, his stuff was good. He wasn't just a mixer, though, he's a producer. I suppose Will's a producer as well. Anyway, we won't keep the listeners long. You've got a lot to say and you're gonna be you're not going anywhere. Are you leaving or you you're a permanent resident now, are you? So where can your fans contact you? Oh no, Beverly Steph doesn't have a website, so... What is it? It's not funny, it's a good email. Mahoneyinthemoment at gmail.com And we'll see you next month, yeah, for Mac and me another instalment. Delightful. That's his catchphrase, by the way. See you next time. I'm here with Will Hen. Uh, sorry, Grammy Award-winning mixing god, Will Hensley. Hi, Will. Hello, Steve. Thanks for that <laughs> wonderful intro. Will, where are you right now for the listeners? Um, Can you describe your my being? my current yeah. my current state of of life? I am 
I am in a place of trying to pursue happiness and pursue peace and not like a, not like a, an, an instantaneous instant gratification happiness, but more a dealing with reality on reality's terms and in like a healthy, healthy way, but also trying to look at the brightest side of what's there. Also, I'm in San Antonio, Texas. Okay. That's what, that's kinda, what I meant. It's, <laughs> it's kind of hot. Yeah. yeah. Okay. okay. I knew what you meant, but, but you know, I would rather tell, tell me about a donut. Well, you got to know where the, where the water came from. Right. What in San Antonio? Well, no, if you're, if you're cooking anything, if you're, if you're baking anything with bread or, or whatever, mm. like the water might be the most important ingredient. And yeah, the water down what... here does not taste as good as the water that I had in New York, which is totally crazy. But that New York water is harder. No, the water in, in the water in Central Texas is super crazy hard. Tons and tons of lime. Oh, um, it's more Republican. It's more tough. Yeah. Oh, I was just thinking as the water's hard, the people are harder, but they're not. They're harder in New York, the people, surely. I'd rather fight a random in Texas than New York, although a Texan would be bigger, but you could be fast. And Right, but they'd have a gun, so you got yeah. to look out for that. That's why I never yeah, dated the like, Texas women, because the dads would and that's why I exclusively that's why I exclusively dated the Texas women, because they'd have a gun and could protect me in a fight. I've got some questions. The first question yeah. I usually ask is, who are you? Well, my name is uh, Will Hensley, and as your wonderful uh, announcement introduction, yeah, I'm, I'm the Grammy-winning. Are you? Did you win? I did. I don't have my Grammy here. It's at my parents' house. What did you um, win for? Was it a children's I, song or something? Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, I mixed the best children's album of 2015. Yeah, the Still- artist's name is Tim Kubart, and he's a he's a good friend of mine. And the album is called Home. Mom and dad are going out, babysitter's on her way They told me it's my job to be tour guide today So I show her the living room and my artwork on the fridge She was impressed but this is only the beginning Cause in my house, we've got so many rooms um, We did a follow-up album a few years later, two, two three years later And that one was called Building Blocks it's interesting. I feel a little bit better about the mixes on Building Blocks than I do on on Home. But Building Blocks was nominated, but we didn't win. Both both situations were amazing experiences. Uh, I worked on I worked with a big A list mix engineer back in the day, Michael Brower, and uh, I was around and helping out on um, a couple of Coldplay records and a lot of a lot of big records. And um, yeah, the the biggest record that I still listen to that I think, man, that that record sounds absolutely stunning and i'm very happy that i got to work on it was john mayer's continuum gravity is working against me and gravity wants to bring me down yeah i've worked on a bunch of records um did you, what did you do on that? You actually mixed the John Mayer record or no, engineered? No. The... I think my title on the record was Pro Tools Engineer or Mix Assistant. I helped facilitate the whole thing. I was not the mixer, but I was there for it. Um, 
you know, did, did some editing and some cleaning up of things and did some pre-mixing before things went out on a console. So, I mean, and he was still John Mayer at that point. What, what year was that? 2006 or seven. uh, You were young as well. I mean, we're all young, right? Time's not real. I can't remember exactly which ones we mixed, but we mixed most of the record or Michael mixed most of the record. I don't know. It's been a while. I haven't. John Mayer's not that but... big here in the in U, in UK anyway, but he's more known know. as like a ladies' man. And um, <laughs> all I have as a recollection about him, do you remember a lady called Brenda that we both used to know like ten years Brenda ago? Brenda Donahue. Don... Yeah. Yes. Of course. Yeah, she said she was in a bar with him in Soho, New York, and he put his own music on the jukebox. What? <laughs> what? She was sitting there with him. And I think that was to be funny. I, I I do think that is quite funny, or I don't know. That might not be true, though. Yeah. That's hearsay. So I didn't get to spend a ton of time with him, but he was in the studio, I think, for a couple of weeks. He's uh, very charming, but also is, um, you know, might, uh, I don't know. I, I don't, I, my personal experience <laughs> with him was that he was a really, really nice, you sweet didn't even guy kiss him. In, uh, we didn't make out, but mm. here's the thing. There there were a few people that I met in the studio that I was like, oh, you are exactly my same height. And for some reason, that's an interesting thing. When you see people that you're used to on TV, uh, you know, music videos, whatever, and like you, you see them in real life. And then like height, for some reason, to me is like kind of a most of the people that I met in the studio were shorter than me. I'm 6'3". Holy yeah. Shit. Yeah. Just living um, the dream. That's it. That's it. Just a just a tiny American winning machine. That's that's me. Um, But John Mayer was my exact same height, and he really really likes making people laugh, and he really likes making himself laugh. And so, have you ever made love to a woman or been with a woman in an intimate way with your own music on or music you've mixed? (sighs) I don't think so. That's not, I mean, that's not really anything I would uh, would try and orchestrate, I don't think. Um, Saying that, I've done it, actually, because I've asked that question and thought about it myself. I didn't put it on. I was with a lady in Brooklyn, actually. I do remember this, and she didn't know anything about me. And she Googled me. (laughs) I think it was my MySpace came up. This is how long ago this is. Oh, yeah. And then she put one of my songs on and sort of jumped on me. So I think I've technically done it. Okay, yeah. The Sandbeard Joke of the Month. Here we go. Okay. Two ducks are having a dirty weekend. They're staying in the penthouse of a rather fine hotel. Things are starting to get hot and heavy in the suite. And one of the ducks looks at the other and says, have you got any protection? And the other duck says, well, I thought you might, it's your responsibility. I thought you had something. And he's like, no, no, no. So he calls room service and says, excuse me, have you got some condoms? And the room service guy says, you know, we'll be right up. Anyway, five minutes later, room service. The duck opens the door and the bellhop guy's there, big silver tray. He lifts the lid and says, your condoms, sir. Would you like me to put it on your bill? And the duck says, no, you pervert. I want to put it on my cock. (laughs) (laughs) 
Right. So who are you? Where are you? We've done that. We, this episode is about your top three mixes and then random other stuff. So I'm trying to maybe yeah. have some discipline, do you think? Because some people that you work with might be interested in what you think of the top three mixes and they'll tune in and go, my fucking song's not there. You know, <laughs> have you thought about this? We've got John Mayer. What's your other? Top- well, I haven't I haven't thought about it crazy hard. Uh, which I, I this should was, have. Sorry, yeah. I thought this was an opportunity to pay some acts that aren't like John Mayer or Coldplay. So, oh, okay. Are there some um, acts that I can play some clips of here that you've mixed and you're mega proud of it? And it's, you know, not John Mayer or Coldplay or Katie Tunsil or whatever. You know what? Yeah, there's a there's an interesting thing. I actually, an artist reached out to me a week ago that um, it had been has been working on a record. I I think in quarantine or maybe they've just been sitting on it for a while. Um, and they want to put it out. And I mixed uh, a friend of mine, Jeremy McDonald, produced it for this uh, artist. His name is Jameson Wake. And in- Indian fella? S- <laughs> no, I don't Irish. know his name. Yes, Jam- Jameson McWake. Yeah, well, his real, I don't know what his last name is, but Jameson Wake is his artist name. And cool. the, the album is Vines. I mixed it and uh, like, I think it sounds really really good and the i think the record sounds really good i think the drums sound totally outstanding uh mm. yeah the stairs in the back the some that we like it's on now it's on now she whispers in my ear says man get out of here you burden there's there's that um it's been so long since i've listened to some of that Elliot gross stuff i remember really really loving yeah. the uh the our wild america yeah the one um, with the uh the the is there like a, a reindeer on the cover or something or stag uh we did that record mostly live to tape and i mm. produced and played guitar on that and and i mixed that record too thing is like why when i listened to one of your mixes the other day it was a matt susich song one of his new songs you've always got this really warm dreamy cinematic thing that makes it sound epic and it really is like another instrument with the stuff you do it's really oh man it's beautiful man like you're you've really got like i seriously think you're a mixing god (laughs) (laughs) and i'll interlude somewhere in this episode the ones we did we did an album when you least expect and emily's never enough you kind of did i think some of that and yeah um, i think i did i did some of the stuff on that i don't i don't remember what all it's kind of a blur but we had a lot of fun making those records yeah. i mean yeah someday we got to do a hard bodies reunion tour <laughs> yeah yeah i mean i the thing is you know you mentioned playing live and getting nervous like i don't think i'm going to play live for another year i don't think i want to because we're going to try and open a bar as like it's going to be have live music first year yeah. anniversary i'm coming out there we're doing a show 
So for the listeners out there, when me and Emily met, you were there. Seriously, you were there, weren't you? Because we, I met Emily at an open mic. Actually, this is another one yeah. of the questions. How did we meet? So I was playing at open mics. You were playing at open mics as well. And I had to organise a shitty competition uh, for this Irish oh, bar. Right. And so oh, I went yeah. around looking for people to play in this competition. And I went to Sidewalk Cafe and like, you know, there were about 10 people from there and about eight of them were girls. <laughs> and this is what I was doing at the time. And I was living above the bar and Emily was one of the contestants and you were in that competition as well. And it was shit and you won like three cans of PBR or something. But we all kind of <laughs> met. Yep. And then I was making this record with you and she sang on it literally like a few days after I'd met her. And um, there's a song on that called If You Are With Me. And uh I was actually changing the lyrics to be Emily and all this because we were like just met and and like I think we were like I remember this it was a bit too much I just met this girl and I'm actually singing about her and so we went with the version where she's singing on the song but I'm not referencing her directly and stuff like that but if you were with me I'd be happy So we literally met with you there in January wow. 2010. And now we've been oh. together 12 years. Yeah. You've been on this podcast a couple of times, but this is official, man. This, this is, is official. This is a showcase, as long as it records, which I think it is. So yeah, you your mixing's got a certain vibe that I can tell, I feel like. And what is that about, do you think? Where what's your influences for mixing? And or do you not want to give the game away? No, no, no. There's no, there's no game to give away. I don't, I feel like I've been really, really lucky to be able to work with like super talented people. And some of them have a vision and it's my job to, to understand what they, uh, what they want and what they need. And when what they want and what they need uh, don't align, that always leads to an interesting conversation and we, we figure things out and, and development. But as far as like um, my aesthetic mixing, I, I don't know in in my mind like I just want to make the song as good as I as I can um and whatever that means for me like sometimes that's okay get in there and then stay the hell out of the way let them do the thing that they do and try and make sure that all the parts of it that need to be heard are heard uh, other times it's like okay cool here here's the song but we got to make sure the arrangement really supports the song because it needs to be more full or maybe maybe yeah this works super great live but then when you record it to an album, sometimes it cannot be as exciting because there's not the emotional engagement and connection. So it's kind of the, the mixer's job to enhance things and like bring, you know, kind of be, be the conductor uh, so that everything is delivered in a way that, you know, that the story comes across. You're kind of putting a spotlight on the things that need to be focused and pulling things up back that might be getting in the way of the story or the vibe or uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. But as far as like, it being like, oh yeah, I put this same reverb on everything. Like, no, that's not that's not mm. the vibe. Uh, but you can polish yeah. a turd, definitely. I I you polish some turds. It's not it's not my favorite thing to do, but it is a thing I can do. Mm. Um, and it's interesting. Sometimes I'll get a song where I think, oh man, this is you know, I'll I'll go for a thing. I'll like kind of I'll kind of reinvent what's going on there, not like changing too much, but like oh in. In their reference mix, they had this up front, but this thing, I think this is the coolest thing and I'm going to play it up. And uh, I would say more than half the time when I, when I do like a shift like that, 
the artist sits with it for you know a couple days or whatever and is like man yeah like i didn't i didn't know that thing was even in there i don't even remember recording it or that was like a last minute thing or and, and then now i love the song 10 times more and then also not sometimes they'll come back and be like yeah no this thing is not it should mm. not be the focus this other thing should be the focus and unless unless i really think it takes the song down the wrong path for the message and the vibe and whatever i'll usually just say okay cool that that's uh, let me get it closer to your original vision than me being all uppity and superimposing myself on another artist or on an artist like they came to me because they wanted my opinion on something um but it's just my opinion there are a lot of producers and a lot of mixers that are like i'm right you're wrong this is where mm. this needs to be and they may be right and i might listen to something and my you know my gut will tell me to do something and sometimes people go with it and sometimes people are like actually I, I liked it more how it was and there's a lot of that and i think because everybody has uh, an ipad or a computer that you can plug in a good device and you can hook in a good mic and like actually be able to capture crazy good studio quality recordings and then have the horsepower to like mix it and put the effects on and and do all this stuff that you couldn't do 20 15 years ago it, at home a lot of people are turning into not just they can be songwriters but they can be producers and engineers themselves and i feel like i'm really lucky to have had the education that i got with michael and also the the like music education that I got growing up, uh, starting on piano with my mom when I was real little, and then viola and guitar and drums and bass, and then getting into jazz band and marching band and all this stuff. Like having that crazy musical backlog. Oh, and then playing in a cover band for like five years, and then playing in bands where we did a lot of original stuff. Like I got a very wide uh, exposure to a lot of different types of music and playing with a lot of different types of musicians. Um, mm all of that gave me just a, a real, a real different perspective um, of different ways to interact with musicians. Um, yeah. And have you had any like wars, email wars with musicians, not to like dig for the dirt, but you know, you know uh, where, cause w it is fucking complicated, man, to make records and communicate with the people mixing it. And cause it's passionate, isn't it? On the artist side. And they're not always the best communicators very yeah. set in their ways control freaks you know so I, it's not easy job like i think it's easier to sell you know ice to eskimos and mix records really the communication involved for me yes what i've noticed um yeah it's it's not easy but like as far as once i do my thing to a song once i once i mix it or i'm producing it or i'm you know involved in co-writing or i'm you know any part of it if someone says you know i don't i don't like X, Y, or Z, or they're, they're disagreeing with it. I, I want to be proud of everything that my name is on. I really do, but not to the point that I'm going to say, no, you're wrong. You know, I'm not going to give you what you're asking for. If I feel like they're trying to guide it in a way that I think is detrimental to the song or like, oh, we need to turn up the, the noodley guitar. And I'm like, I had the noodley guitar muted or turned down or whatever, because it was getting in the way of the vocal. And like in this song, the voice and the story is really important and you're the singer you're telling me you want more guitar to cover up your voice mm, insecurity yeah what yeah what's that about and it's like well i really miss that guitar it's like the guitar is covering up your voice and then and i think a lot of being a producer is kind of kind of playing a bit of therapist and just being like okay so so what's going on here why don't you want your voice up front and sometimes 
you know, where, where a vocal lives in a track is there's a lot of different philosophies. When you start listening back to that, like super, like a lot of people reference Michael Jackson a ton and like, you know, his, his personal life aside, like the dude was a hit maker or, or at least the people that he worked with. Well, he's my favorite singer ever. I think he's my favorite ah. voice, which isn't, yeah, it's not training to say it's kind of a bombshell when I talk to people about that and go, nah, Michael Jackson's my favorite singer, you know, and I like John Lennon and other obvious stuff, but yeah, yeah. it's magic. His voice. Yeah. yeah. Well, his voice uh, compared to a lot of modern mixes compared to a lot of pop mixes, it's kind of in the track a little bit more. Like when, when I think about a mix and how it should really like something that's fun and poppy, uh, and maybe not even fun and poppy, maybe just anything that's considered pop. I really like to have the energy of like the air that the kick and snare is moving should mm -hmm. be in the same kind of world. The air and the impact of the two things should, kind, in my opinion, should kind of live in the same sort of world and the vocal should just be poking right, right with it. So kick, snare, vocal, that's like, that's the meat and potatoes. And if those are, are good, everything else can fill in the gaps. So do you um, think Michael Jackson is, was hiding his voice though? Cause it's in the mix buried a bit. I mean, there's, there's, there's a good chance there was some of that. Those mixes are all fantastic. And to me, I think it's vocals a DB or two quieter than it, than I'd like to hear it because I would love for it to be exposed, but part of, or not exposed, but just like what we're used to in pop music and the vocal being like, well, yeah, now you know, with these Adele like records or whatever, it's right up there, isn't it? everyone's yeah. a solo act now so the vocals is is you know pumped yeah but with michael jackson it always felt like that vocal was part of the arrangement and maybe part of why it's so intriguing and, and draws you in so much is because you do kind of have to work to, to listen to it and catch every lyric a little bit more than you do with most other things mm. you know like you'll never hear a phil collins track where his vocal is in the same place that michael jackson's vocal is on any of his tracks mm. We always end up talking about Phil Collins, don't we? Referencing for some reason. Is he any good? Then? Why not? <laughs> I mean, he's <laughs> he's got problems he... with one of his girlfriends is like holding his fifth house hostage or something in like Miami or something. I read. Got personal problems. We do, we do reference him a lot. He's a talented guy, but like, um, and he's done amazing things. I'm not like, oh man, I, I don't, I, <laughs> there's, there's no like, tonight. <laughs> I don't worship, I don't worship anything that he's done. Like the closest thing to worshiping anything he's done has been doom, 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 doom. like that's yeah. iconic, ridiculous, but also showboaty. And I, and I love it. I love what that is. And I love the restraint that that track has. And that's amazing. But when it comes down to artists of that era, Peter Gabriel. Like that's, right. that's my, when you hear Peter Gabriel saying, at least to me, and this is, this is my opinion, like it sounds like his vocal cords are just directly intertwined with his heart. And like you, you hear his, you hear his pain in a way. And what are some mixes particularly then? If you had to think of your favorite mixes ever that have influenced you. I mean... I don't know because when I because I've gone back to reference things when I talk when I you know when I start talking about like Thriller and the, and those types of records that are like oh yeah everybody when I listen back to them now I'm like I would never try to make anything sound exactly like that. But a lot of your stuff is Americana, isn't it? That you mix or am I just not am I ignorant to your catalog? I think you like no, country I, pop and you're in Texas and you know a lot of singer songwriters. When it comes down to it, like I want to hear a story. I want to hear 
you know, and I like sad songs a lot. I feel like it's easier for me to connect me personally, when I'm writing a song, it's so much easier for me to write a sad song. And that's probably just because it's like, okay, I've got, I've got some kind of thing that I'm trying to work through and I can use songwriting as therapy to just like have a release and have this, put this heartbreak or this confusion or this sadness or whatever into a song. And then I've got it out of me and I don't, and it's not festering, taking up, you know, emotional real estate. It does in, do in something, yeah, to put, put a trouble in a song. And then it's weird how the song, even that song Lost in Sydney was about this disastrous mm. night I had in Sydney. It was therapy I love that at that song time. so much. But yeah, my I vibe is song. to do that, is to do a sad subject with a happy vibe, you know, and it kind of oh, works you through it. Yeah, you remember a lot of the songs that I was like doing in those open mic times where it was like, oh, it's a really pretty melody. And this is like a sad song about, you know, something really sad that happened. Yeah. And are you writing I songs totally still that. or anything So like I that? got into a thing, a, a friend turned me on to like a songwriter circle thing where they give a prompt every week. And then you've got, you know, a few days, Sunday at midnight, you got to have it submitted. If you miss your deadline Sunday night, you're out. Um, and Oh, it's like uh, an elimination sort of but like, like gladiators or whatever if you really if you really want to get back in and you have an excuse for why you missed it and you submit they'll they'll get you back into the loop but mm. yeah for the most part and they like uh, slag pretty... you off and stuff right yeah yeah but i mean Fuck that um, guy he didn't meet the deadline <laughs> yeah <laughs> um but it's been really great to like have that as an outlet so i have been writing but i haven't been writing for a purpose so how is Texas? So you're from Tech, you're from San Antonio, and are you in your hometown? Yes, I'm about ten minutes away from where I grew up. One of the people that that I've been kind of in contact with uh, is is a gentleman that I met through my church growing up. Excuse me. <coughs> uh, Stand emotional. We'll Stand emotional. This. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm getting all worked up about this. Me too. So, um, uh, he was one of the first people where I remember walking into a room and hearing somebody play guitar and sing. And they sounded like radio. They sounded uh, like they were in tune. They were in time. They were they were emoting properly for the music that they were playing. And yes, it was it was in a church context. But I grew up, you know, pretty much in the church. And uh, see, I never knew this. Yeah. Well, we're learning things. That's Scientology that's what, that's, or um, no uh, Presbyterian. So Pescatarian. Christian. Oh, sorry. Pescatarian. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just the, the religion of fish. Yes. I mean, there is, they do that little ichthyous fish thing on the back of their cars. Anyways. This is the fish's uh, planet. They, it's, it's their planet because 70% of the, of the Earth's covered by ocean. We're just fucking about. True. This is their planet. So yeah, I'm into fish more than any of the organized religions, I'd say. Sorry, carry on. My buddy, Ed, who I, who I heard sing and play guitar at the church okay. a long time ago, we kept up and uh, he's a brilliant engineer, brilliant musician, brilliant man. Great dude we hung out and i was like yeah this the situation in new york isn't great um i think i might i think i might want to like get a breather down in texas but i'm not exactly sure how that goes but ed said well i'm about to sell the house i've got this extra guest house if you want to rent it out uh it, it's yours uh until the house sells and the house sold a couple months ago but they aren't moving in until um may so i'm moving out at the end of this month but i've had it since november and have had a studio to be able to work in and mix and record. I've been able to like set up a bunch of my instruments, you know, all the stuff. So I'm able to do online lessons. I'm able to mix. I'm able to do overdubs, you know, remotely. It's been awesome. It's been really, really great. So it's been a success. You feel all right? 
I feel pretty good. I mean, it has been, it's a lot cheaper to be here. And like the reasons to be in New York, I was not taking advantage of for the, you know, the, the bulk of the pandemic. What have you learned from fifth? Was it 15 years in New York? Yeah. What have um, you learned from that? What New York taught me was that, um, like I had a very, very sweet and protected upbringing and that there was something in me that wanted to to see if I could do more because I knew I could have stayed in Texas and, and you know, pursued a different, um, you know, maybe I would have kept doing music. Same yeah, but I, yeah. as soon as I had a chance to go off leash, it was like, I'm, I, let's see what can happen. And so I did an internship in New York instead of an internship in Austin. And uh, as soon as I got the taste of freedom and as soon as I got the taste of the electricity that was just coursing through the streets, I was addicted and um and loved new york city like it was the best drug there was like yeah i was i was addicted to being there and i probably could have stayed um but the fact that uh, i've had this opportunity to come back and be closer to my folks if i hadn't spent 15 years in new york i don't think i would really truly be able to appreciate this uh, this opportunity that i'm getting to hang out with them now and uh as far as what the future holds um feels like we're we're you know inching towards a release and the beginning of a second roaring 20s and i'm fucking yeah, stoked to so. be at that yeah, party yeah. yeah so um get over here and walk yeah, across the, abbey road and say dude, in this we flat. gotta do that i would love that that would we're be not, amazing we're not in uh, the sticks anymore we're kind of literally yeah we're abbey road Hampstead and stuff we live in a dream yeah bro like, and that's it will any song at the end do you want to play that you've mixed um that you might yeah have. lost in sydney oh in man sydney. oh amazing Thanks. i fucking love that jam ah. i love that jam yeah oh, i mean that was such a fun that was such Good a memories I, yeah yeah great memories i love you guys so much and uh love thanks so much now. for having me on yeah give give emily my best and uh oh god her record's fantastic beautiful yeah all right yeah. you're going through you're going to work out Yep, I gotta go pump that iron because it's pump not gonna pump Pump some iron itself. for me. Get the sweat on. Got you, boo. All Got right. you. Hi, you reached uh, Michael Brass. Sorry, I can't take your call right now, but if you leave your name and number, I'll get back to you shortly. Too long.